Today on Noteworthy Networks, we have Mikaela Este. To share just a snippet from her bio, you should know that Mikaela is a professional opera singer engaged around the world. Though she grew up in Conway, Arkansas, she currently resides in Berlin, Germany. She, of course, is an alumna from the University of Central Arkansas, class of 2005, with a Bachelor of Arts degree in music. She went on to attend Northwestern University, receiving her master's in vocal performance in 2007. Mikaela has sung opera performances in places such as LA Opera, Chicago Opera Theater, Valencia Opera in Spain, Opera Monte Carlo in Monaco, and Polish National Opera. She also does concerts with Placido Domingo, which has taken her to places such as Japan, China, Turkey, Oman, Ireland, Austria, Russia, and Ukraine. So with that, I want to welcome you. Your name is a, is a little bit of a tongue twister, um, but we're so- No, you got it right. You got it right. <laughs> we're, we're so happy to have you on. Um, and thank, thank you. you for agreeing to, to come on today. Of course. I'm happy to be here. We're going to jump right into your career. And how did you become interested in beginning a career in professional opera singing? Well, I had the fortune that both my parents were involved in music. Um, They were both opera singers at one time. Um, My mother was also a pianist. So that's how my parents met actually singing together. And they did it, I mean, even till I was about six years old. And then they they got into teaching after that. So I kind of almost had no choice. (laughs) It was uh, all around me ever since I was a baby. Um, and I just loved it. There was something about it that really called to me and yeah, I just had to pursue it and see what that meant for me. Yeah. So growing up, I guess, did you take like piano lessons and stuff like your mom had done or was it mainly just singing or? I did piano. My mom started me with piano, um, probably when I was about six or seven. And then when I got into middle school, uh, I started playing the French horn. It was an instrument that always, I really loved the sound of it. Uh, So I started playing French horn and I was in band, um, you know, and then I got into choir as well. And then I originally kind of started on French horn. I wanted to see what that was, but I think the, the theater aspect of opera kind of drew me closer, closer to that. So when I was in college, I stopped playing French horn and then switched over full-time to singing. Yeah. So I was, I, I had a lot of instrumental background. Yes. Okay. Um, so you spoke on both of your parents being opera singers. Um, can you give us a little bit of background? So you're, you were born and raised in Conway. Um, no, I was actually born in Germany because okay. at the time my parents were singing here. Um, my mother's American. My father was Sherman. Um, now he's American. Uh, but so they were singing over here and I was born over here, but we left when I was about five years old to move back to the States. So my parents could get kind of more teaching jobs, have a little bit more of a, a stable life for a family. Cause it can be very, um, <laughs> it can be a lot of moving around and mm-hmm. being in one place for six weeks. So we moved back to the States um, after that. So that's why I was born here and now I'm, and now I'm back. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. So, so both of your parents now still live in the States and then you live in Germany. 
Correct. Yeah. We moved to Arkansas after my dad actually got a job at University of Central Arkansas. So that's how we ended up in Conway. So I did most of my growing up in Conway, you know, middle school, junior high, high school, and then of course, college at UCA. Yeah. All right. How would you say most people become interested in opera? You know, it's a really good question because for me, it was so obvious and I had been surrounded by it. And I've often wondered people that aren't surrounded by it because it can come across as kind of a unique, you know, uh, niche part Mm -hmm. of music. Um, And so I know a lot of friends that have come through it via musical theater. Um, there's some, it's usually drawn to them somehow in the theater business, whether they've started with acting or musical theater, let's say that they, you know, they played an instrument, um, and then maybe they hear an aria for the first time and they're blown away. It's usually something that hits people right in the face and they're like, what, what is this? I need to, I need to know what this is. Why am I having a reaction? So that's been most of the people that I know that didn't have my background that's what I found to be kind of leading them in that, in that direction. It's very theatrical. Yeah. So you said an art, an aria, can you define like what that is as far as? Sure. Yeah. So the <laughs> opera is the whole thing, right? So it's like the play, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the whole opera is. And within an opera, you have different sections and the aria is usually a solo number you know, it could be by the lead role, could be even a smaller role, but they kind of have three minutes, depending on the length of the aria of just singing, kind of like, you know, like a monologue would be perhaps in the theater business. Um, and they are usually popularized. You know, you can sometimes hear them on commercials in the background. You know, there's some famous ones. Um, and usually when people hear something, uh, an aria, which is usually somewhat familiar, uh, it's that's usually what kind of hooks them into wanting to know more. Yeah. What kind of education training or background does being an opera singer require? Are there certain requirements to get into it or? You know, everybody's path is different. Uh, For me, you know, I went to college. So Mm -hmm. my, both my degrees are in vocal performance. Um, So I had an education. So you have classes on on diction and in different languages. I took, you know, two years of Italian, a year of French, because opera is, you know, usually in a foreign language. So I had that kind of training. And then once I was out of college, kind of a normal thing for singers to do is then they audition and they audition what for what they call young artist programs. Because the operatic voice takes a while to really develop. You know, you can't most people are not singing operas at the age of 20, like full out professionally. It needs time to develop. The voice needs to mature just like any other parts, parts of our bodies as we're growing up. The voice needs that time. So a lot of these opera companies like LA Opera, for me, it was Washington Opera. They have young artist programs and it's like a two-year internship sort of. You go, you get paid a certain amount of, t- a certain amount of money Mm-hmm. And then they give you roles to do on stage. And they usually start you with smaller roles on the, on the main stage. So you're singing with the professionals, but you're the young artist of the house. Um, and that kind of is kind of starts solidifying your training to then maybe after the young artist program to do the bigger roles and, and be guesting and going to different uh, opera companies. So that was, that was my track. 
Um, some people don't have to do the Young Artist Program. It's very competitive, obviously. Not everyone can get in. I know many great singers that have not gotten into Young Artist Programs, but maybe got a very good agent and they were ready to go and you start doing auditions for the big houses. Yes, that's, that's the normal path that I understand from people. Okay. So are agents for like opera, are there specific agents for just opera singers? Um, it's like separate than like agents for like theater, other Right. Yes. So we, I mean, there, you can find some agents that's very, very few that maybe do opera and musical theater, but the majority of them really hone in on just opera because it's such a unique, (laughs) it's such a unique career. It doesn't, always work the same as as an agent for actors so yeah there are plenty there are many um and some of them will also maybe be agents to like an orchestra musician or an ensemble but it's pretty um yeah it's pretty much just opera so did you go that route within trying to get into that program did you like seek out an agent or did you yeah, so I mean, I got into the program. Uh, it's it's an interesting story how I got into the program, but it was uh, it was Placido Domingo's program, mm-hmm. um, and I had actually happened to be singing in a room. I was I was doing a summer program. There are a lot of summer summer programs for young singers, kind of training. Um, I was and we were doing mock auditions, kind of fake auditions, so you can start practicing the auditions. And it so happened that. Uh, Placido Domingo's old agent was in the room just happened to be in the room when I sang Um, and he came up to me afterwards and was like you need to audition for his program so I auditioned um, for Placido and then I got into the program and so I did that I did that for two years so um, you know everybody has a different way of going about it but usually the program will then, because you're going on to the main stages, the agents will sometimes be in the audience, especially if one of their artists are singing on the main stage and maybe they hear you, maybe they're interested in you. And that's what happened to me. I was, I was doing a smaller role in an opera and my agent was in the audience and came back afterwards and said, you know, I would love for you to sing for me sometime. So then I went to New York and sang music for him so he could understand what my voice is, how he can you know, what roles I could sing, where, where am I at this stage in my career? Um, Yeah. And then that's kind of how it worked out for me. And you can also send emails and ask for auditions. You know, if you're, if you're in between agents or you don't have one, usually you send in your material, like your CDs, uh, videos, and then they will grant you an audition and you go and you meet them and sing for them. Yeah. Cool. Um, how relevant would you say your undergraduate major is to the work that you do now? I know you had talked about learning like diction and, and the different like foreign languages that you took. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, I mean, anything that you're learning when you're young, it establishes a foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's actually, you know, everybody has a different opinion on it. For me, it was relevant. It gave me time to grow, to give me time to research. It gave me time to listen, to hear other people, you know, like sometimes they bring in people to do master classes, you know, um, 
there in the music department. So you have contact, uh, you have more of an ability. That's the good thing about schools is they usually bring in people that are professional, that are well-known um, and you get to watch and you get to listen, you get to participate. Um, for me, that was really valuable. And just, yeah, having time to really, I also made myself try taking other classes, you know, to, to make sure that I really wanted to be a singer. So I took kind of a year and I took like, you know, political science, I took psychology. I wanted to make sure that that was really my calling. So I think, you know, being so, that's a very young age, right? When we get out of high school and you go into undergrad, now that I look back, I'm like, oh, how do we know anything? <laughs> but I think that's what colleges offer. You can try different things. You can see what calls to you. No one's pushing you to do anything. You're not in a young artist program yet where there's pressure, you know? So I really took my time to kind of establish, establish a foundation for myself, um, whether it was in taking language courses, taking diction, music history, you know, different styles of singing. Yeah, it was, it's very beneficial. What kind of skills, abilities, or personal attributes are essential to success in being an opera singer? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> probably <laughs> there's so many. Uh, I think what has helped me personally mm -hmm. is resilience. Resilience. Being... Being in a performing arts field of any kind, whether you're an actor, musician, whatever, you're going to be dealing with a lot of uh, criticism. Some of it constructive, some of it not constructive. And especially when you're young, you know, everybody wants to tell you what to do, how to do it. You know, well, if you can think of doing something else, then you should. You know, everybody thinks that they they <laughs> they know what to say to young singers. And I, um, for me, resilience has been kind of the only way through it. Um, you you've got to take the good with the bad, but you have to get up the next morning and keep going, you know, and take, take the good parts of the criticism, keep them, work on them. Um, but everyone's always going to have an opinion. It, it doesn't matter. Everyone will always have an opinion. And I think you have to accept that. Um, know that it's not personal. Most of the time, it's not personal. People are trying to do their job and it's very subjective. You know, it's like anything. Um, so what one person hears one day doesn't mean that the other person the next day is going to hear that same thing. Uh, so it's, it's not a clear path. It's not, you know, there's not one way to do it. So if you can find in yourself an ability to, okay, have your moment of being upset and then letting it go and moving forward, I think... I think opera singers are very good at this. Um, even, you know, when you get your first bad review in the newspaper or whatever, it's, it's, it hurts. You know, it really is like, wow, okay, I just, <laughs> here I am, got my first bad review or whatever. And you have to, and some people choose never to read reviews again. You know, some people will not look at them. Um, they don't find any value in it, but you still, you got to get up the next day and, do it better than you've ever done it before. Yeah. Just, you got to keep getting up and going. Yeah. I like the, the personal seed of wisdom that you, you put in your, uh, 
your personal attributes and, and skills and abilities. Would you say, um, I know you mentioned that your parents are, were both opera singers. Would you say that there was any kind of like expectations or pressure from them? Um, or like, what was their feedback for, for you? Did they try to give you any kind of I, feedback or? Well, my dad was my first voice teacher. So, <laughs> you know, uh, at, at uh, University of Central Arkansas, he was my first teacher. So he was very open. You know, I know he always believed in me. That was, that's what both of my parents have always let me do what I want to do. There's never been any pressure to, you know, that whole like, no, why don't you be a doctor or a lawyer? There was never any of that. You know, they understood because they were also very passionate um, about opera and singing and music. So they understood where that, where that comes from, kind of the opera bug, as they call it. Um, I mean, I think it's hard. I, I, I'm sure it's hard to watch because the majority of people, you know, don't go on very far. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of us want to do something. And then kind of when we get in it, we think, oh, OK, maybe it's not for me. Um, maybe I don't want to take the next step or I want to do something else. Um, so it's also hard to watch that because, you know, you don't you don't know what the path's going to be. And they understood the hard hardships. You know, they understood when you audition 80 times and you get one, you landed only one of the auditions, you know, it, it's hard. It's competitive. Um, it can hurt because singing is a very vulnerable art. You know, it's a part of your body. So you're really expressing yourself. So I think they understood that, but they never stepped in my way. They have really been hands off. They've really let me take it and run with it and do what I want with it. And they've kind of been along for the ride. <laughs> you know, sometimes they come to my concerts, things like that. So it's been helpful to have parents that are not, you know, I don't know what they call them. You know, the TV shows about that, like dance moms or something like that. Helicopter you know, they, parents. Yeah, yeah. They never were that way. They really stepped aside. My dad was a great voice teacher, especially from, you know, starting at the age of 18 he was very careful making sure that I wasn't singing anything I shouldn't be singing. So they have an understanding um, and they didn't uh, ever use it. They were never like, you need to do this, this, that. No, they let me have my way. They let me, they let me figure it out. And I think that's probably what's helped me uh, be resilient and be strong um, knowing that I've, I've kind of made those choices for myself. Yeah. What would you say you like most about your work? Um, I think, you know, when I was saying at the beginning about the theater of everything, mm -hmm. um, I think opera is an art form that everything is in it. Anything that you could possibly love about music, about theater, it's in it. And it requires the involvement of hundreds of people, right? So you have an orchestra underneath you, depending on the size of the orchestra, 40, 60 people, whatever. Um, then you have the stage managers, you have the stage crew. You have, it's, it's an effort made by everybody. Every single person has to do their part. So there, there comes with a camaraderie, especially among, among your cast and your crew. Um, and it's live. So it's really a specific moment in time that it happens. You, you have to really be in the moment. Um, and I think kind of the mix of all that, because I think, you know, I was a French horn player. So I also love the orchestra. I like feeling the orchestra underneath me. 
but there's something about it that kind of, it's, it's a form of expression, right? I, I can express myself, but it requires participation on everybody's part. Um, and I think, I think I really like that. It's a connection with people. I think, you know, at the end of the day, we all have more in common than we don't have in common. And I think we always seek to find connections with each other. And that is a form for me singing from my own throat, from my own body, out into a hall to thousands of people that, you know, if one of them is enjoying their night, it's a connection. It's something that's kind of unspeakable between yourself and the audience. It's theatrical, it's music at the same time. So it's kind of all, I mean, it's, it's several answers, I guess, <laughs> encompassed in one, but it, it's a whole, it's a wholeness to it um, that involves many people. And I like relying on the orchestra. I like having a conductor. I love those connections. And you make music together and it all comes from, should come from an organic place. And you're creating something that's only there for that moment. You know, I mean, I know there are recordings, but I don't prefer that. I prefer live performance, not recorded, mm -hmm. that only those people were there at that moment to experience that together. Yeah. Okay. On the flip side of that, what do you like least about your work? Oh man, it can be lonely. <laughs> I'm lucky that I have my little poodle with me who goes with me most places. Um, the traveling is very difficult. Uh, it's exciting at first, you know, it's fun to be, to be on the road, seeing new things, but a lot of the time you're having to take care of your throat, which means that you can't do all the activities you want. You know, I can't lay out on a beach all day, dry myself out. Um, and when I do, it depends on if I'm doing an opera, which means I'm, uh, with a company for like six weeks. So mm -hmm. like a couple of years ago, I was in France for six weeks. Uh, working on a show. Um, you rehearse every day. Okay, maybe you have one day off a week. Um, so you don't have so much time to really go and see everything that you want to see. And if you do, you have to be careful, right? You can't, uh, it can't interfere uh, with your throat. So it's a little nerve wracking that way. So you're, you're constantly worried. You're like, okay, am I doing too much? Am I, you know, there has to be a time where you kind of have to let that go. But also the concerts are shorter. I, you know, when I've gone to China, you take a 13 hour flight, <laughs> you get over there, uh, you walk off the plane, you rehearse, you have one day off, next day concert, then you're gone, then you're gone. So that's very hard on the body because you're doing a lot of time changes. Uh, you don't know necessarily where you are. Um, that the traveling can get can get hard. I know for some people, maybe it looks more, Ooh, it's on the road and glamorous and it's not, <laughs> it's, it's really hard on the body. And, uh, after so many years, maybe you think, okay, like this is, you know, this isn't, is it, isn't easy anymore. Um, as you mature and get older, maybe you want your house or, you know, you want your things with you. Um, that can be difficult. It can be great as well to be in one place for a little while and explore, but it can also be lonely because, you know, okay, the day before the show, I have to shut up. I can't go out. I can't go drink. I can't go, you know, you have to stay home, be quiet and really take care of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Challenge. So, so two follow-up questions with that. Um, 
when you're taking care of yourself, like what does, what does that look like? You said, you know, like you have to stay at home, you have to be quiet, not really like using your voice a whole lot. Um, do you do like certain exercises or you're mainly just like resting your voice? What is that like? Yeah. I mean, usually the, like the day before a show, I don't talk so much. You know, I really try to preserve my throat. I can maybe, you know, I'll get on online. Thank God. Right. Like, thank God for the internet. I mean, that's like, keeps me connected. I can chat, you know, through the internet. I can, whatever. That's my form of communication, but I try to be quiet. I'm careful with what I eat. You know, if I have too much garlic the next day, first of all, my colleagues don't want to smell my garlic breath, (laughs) you know, also it dries me out. You have to also find what kind of foods, you know, dry you out because the vocal cords really need a lot of hydration to really, um, give the maximum that they can give to you. You know, they have, they have to be kind of wet mucusy in a way. Um, so you want to drink lots of water, avoid things that are going to dry you out. And, you know, the day of the show, I avoid things like chips or peanuts because those little things can sometimes get stuck in your throat. So you're thinking all the time of keeping this whole throat area clean, being quiet, not overexerting your body. I, exercise a lot. It actually helps my singing. Some people, they have to be careful. If I'm lifting weights, I have to make sure that I'm breathing correctly so that I'm not smashing my cords together. Um, but exercise does help me. It, it gets my body ready. It keeps it alive and moving because if I rest too much, then I get lazy and then the, the voice doesn't want to, you know, produce what it needs. So it's like a delicate balance there. It takes a while to figure out your own body. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then with the traveling piece, how like often would you say that you're kind of on the road traveling? Is it, I mean, I know it looks different a little bit, but. Yeah. Every year is different. Um, You know, when you're doing like the young artist programs, you're mainly in one place for two Mm -hmm. years. So I was in Washington DC for two years. So that was, that's easy. You move all your stuff there, whatever. But then when you start you know, getting more of a career. I mean, on my really good years, um, when I was doing a lot, I mean, you know, thank you, Corona. None of us are working right now. It's been really difficult. But um, on good years, you know, I was, okay, I worked at LA Opera for six weeks. And then I had to fly the next day to Spain. And I had uh, a gig in Spain for about four weeks. And then I had a month off, you know, then I come back to the States and then I'd have a concert, let's say in China. So I'd be there for a week Then I'd have three weeks off. So it's very, it, it's so individual. It really just depends. Sometimes it's back to back. Um, but we do have, you know, free time and we use that free time to get maybe ready for the next, for the next gig. Because if I'm learning, you know, a three hour opera and it's all in Italian, I need a couple months to really work the language know the translation of the language, making sure I'm always knowing that and getting it into my throat. You know, it's like anything you have to, you have to practice, rest, practice, rest. Um, and I mean, some people have three months off, so it's really, uh, it really varies depending on, especially if you're doing concerts or if you're just doing, doing plain opera. But in the last year, of course, none of us have been (laughs) unfortunately working. So you're a part of like when you do concerts. So you said it is pronounced uh, Placido or Placido. Placido. 
Placido mm-hmm. Domingo. Yeah. Um, right. So is like, are you part of like that organization? Um, and they kind of set you up for the different concerts or um, performances that you'll do? Or are you like auditioning or are people seeking you out? How does, how does that work? Uh, when I work with him, he kind of gets, well, it depends on where he's doing the concert. Um, you know, if he's doing it in a foreign country, sometimes they would like one of their famous opera singers to sing with him sometimes not so he has his kind of like set of people that he likes to use there's you know usually like four or five of us that he kind of interchanges um depending on what that person's schedule is depending on what he wants to sing you know um because I have a lighter voice so I, I I can only sing the lighter repertoire uh either with him or solo numbers so yes I'll also think of that um and it's, it's, I mean, I'm self-employed, so it's, I have to kind of do everything. Sometimes my agent will get concerts, um, even without auditions, depending. Um, but when it's, when it's for Placido, I usually, he, his um, assistant will usually write me and say, or his um, promoter, he has a promoter and she, he has a couple of promoters. They're the ones that, that find the concerts and talk to the people who are arranging the concert, whatever organization that is, if it's a government organization or not. Um, and then he may make a suggestion and they okay it. And then his his uh, promoter will contact me and say, hey, are you available on this in the state? Um, and this is where we're going. And then it's always the same itinerary. You know, we get three or four pages of itinerary. You get there, you practice with the orchestra a few times, you have the day off. And then, and then you do the concert on the day and then the next day you fly out. So it's a pretty, um, he's got his, it's a, it's a good system that he has. When it's for other people, it's whatever is written in the contract. You know, however they've decided, uh, come in two days before, we'll set you up in this hotel. When I have to do operas, sometimes I have to find my own housing because I'll be there for five weeks. So I have to find an Airbnb if the, if the opera company doesn't provide the housing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's every contract is, is, is different, but with, with him, it's been pretty, you know, it has, it has its own routine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've spoken a little bit, uh, you touched on uh, COVID-19 um, and it, can you speak on you know, any challenges that COVID-19 has caused within your work or just any other challenges that you've, that you've faced in your work at all? Yeah. I mean, wow. You know, we can't sing. (laughs) We're literally blowing air out. (laughs) You know, there's nothing more dangerous than that. Um, And, you know, every, I've been watching the United States versus Germany, how they've been handling it here. They're more strict Mm -hmm. um, than in the States. Uh, so a lot of the theater, I mean, all the theaters shut down, but a lot of these theaters in Germany um, are helped by the government. They get a lot of money from the government. So, you know, they have a better chance of surviving. In the United States, you know, most opera companies, they rely on donors. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, you know, wonderful, wealthy, generous people giving money. Um, so they're more likely to shut down quick, you know, quicker. So, I'm not sure how it's going to pick up in the United States. I sure hope it does. It's going to be harder than over here. Um, but everyone I know is starting, you know, my last concert was January of 2020. That was my last concert. 
And, you know, the next month, my boyfriend got sick all of a sudden, he had fever. And then all of a sudden, here we are with Corona. I was like, oh my God. So everything got canceled for everybody. Mm. Um, so a lot of people that I know started doing stuff online, doing a lot of, you know, Zoom concerts. I didn't do that so much. I tried to take the time to just, you know, quiet time for myself, kind of a, you know, a rethinking, a re, yeah, just rethinking, you know, is, is this is this something I want to keep doing? I think every opera singer, when you are, looking at no work for a while, you start, you know, you start second guessing, you start thinking like, okay, is this, do I still want to try to keep doing this? Because it's a disaster at the moment. I still need to make money. I um, lucky enough that I had a good savings. So I've been okay. I know a lot of singers that haven't been okay, who've had to get online jobs or, you know, move, move out of the city to somewhere cheaper. Um, Berlin is a great city. It's, it's, it's pretty, affordable. So I've been okay. Um, but it's been hard because then the only thing I've had because of COVID was a film. Uh, we, oh, this wonderful composer wanted to make this Viking opera into a film opera. So yeah, it was super interesting. It's the first time I did that. So we were in a recording studio where they really tried to keep everything hygienic. They had a filtration system we kept on our masks when we weren't in our booths. When you're in the booth, you can take the mask off. We did the recording first. Um, and then a couple weeks later, we, we were in a, a studio in Brooklyn and we filmed it over the course of like three days, like long, long days. Um, and we all got tested before, you know, we were trying to keep, you know, testing to make sure that we were all safe. And of course it was scary. I mean, you just, you're taking off your mask and you're singing at somebody, you know, I could feel their breath. I'm like, well, <laughs> if this guy has it, we all have it. You know, we did the best we could and we got lucky. Nobody got sick. Nobody had it. We got lucky. Um, but yeah, we had to take those measures. You know, you're taking your temperature every day. I had to travel over here. I had to get on an airplane. That was scary. Um, so that's the only thing that I've really done uh, since, since COVID. So it's been hard and you have to have a lot of self-motivation to be, to be a singer because you are given free time. You know, no one's telling you nine to five. No, there is no really nine to five. Right. Um, so on your off times, you have to keep yourself motivated, you know? So I've been trying to keep myself on a strict schedule of some kind um, and keep myself singing and keep myself engaged um, keep myself learning, you know, still learning languages, learning new roles to try to keep yourself inspired because it's a hard time. We don't know. We don't know what it's going to look like. It's a little. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, have you planned anything like going forward? Do you know about any kind of opera like that they're trying to plan for this year or going into next year or yeah, I mean, there are a couple of concerts that are possibly on the books. Uh, no one's really talking about it because we're, you know, yeah. no one wants to jinx anything. Um, I know that the Metropolitan Opera is going to try to open uh, in September because I know Broadway wants to open in September. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really just a wait and see game. It's just really, um, I know here in Germany, they've canceled a lot of summer programs. But some, some people have contracts for next year or have moved 
what they were supposed to do this year, they've moved to, into like 2024, you know? So, mm. so a couple of concerts are possibly on the horizon, but we don't know. It's, that's what's so hard about it. And so a lot of people won't, won't give out the contracts yet because they're still waiting to see how this is all, all going to turn out. Um, but eventually I think it has to, I think people want it. People want live music again. People need, need the arts. We all need it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's, it's part, important part of our culture. So I know a lot of people have done outside stuff, you know, maybe in the summer with microphones. Mm-hmm. So those are all possibilities, but I think people are very hesitant to, to really put it together right as of yet. Yeah. yeah. So the, the film that you did, are, are you allowed to share like the title of it? Do you know about like when it's supposed to be released? Yeah. Um, so I don't know when it's going to be released. They're still <laughs> editing it. They're, they're, this, this composer, he's amazing. He's doing everything. He composed it. He's editing. Um, so it's going to take, you know, probably a, a year to, mm-hmm. to really get it all together because, you know, the filming, you're lip syncing to your own voice. You can hear the recording and you're lip syncing. So it, they have to put everything together that works with the lips. Um, and we had a blue screen, not a green screen, not a green screen. Mm-hmm. So he has to put in all those edits. So we never really saw what was behind us, you know, so we were just going through the motions. Okay. We had like a few, you know, structures, but most of it, we, we couldn't see. So um, we have no idea what it's going to look like. Um, it's called Frady's and Gudrid, who are the two ladies of the story. It's actually follows the story of Gudrid, who's the woman that I played. She's Icelandic. And it's basically the story of um, when the Vikings discovered uh, Greenland and Vinland, which is the upper part of Canada. They've uh, recently found um, pottery and maybe some jewelry there, and they think it came, came from the Vikings. So it's her story of um, traveling to Vinland, and she had a baby there. Uh, so it's her story of going to Vinland and then coming back to Greenland, coming back to Iceland. And of course, there's also a love story, mm-hmm. uh, that whole that whole thing with, with the other character as well. She, her name's Frades. Uh, she's also, it's also partly her story. So he wanted a good Viking opera. And actually my, my mother's side of the family is all Norwegian. So it kind of, wow. <laughs> I think my grandma is excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I hope maybe within the next year, um, I also ride horses, so we might add an extra scene of of kind of riding in the sunset with the horses. So we'll see. So I'm hoping in about a year, year it will come out. I'm not sure. Awesome. So now is this yeah. going to air? Like how do how do they publish? I have no <laughs> idea. That side of the business, I don't know. I know he's going to try to enter it into maybe some festivals. Yeah. I have no idea. Hopefully, I'll have more information. Yeah. yeah. Um, what steps would you recommend to a student to take to prepare to enter the opera world or musical performance, the arts of some sort? Um, you could speak generally or more specific. Um, to prepare. I mean, you can do the educational stuff, right? Like you really need to have a grasp on languages. Mm -hmm. It really does matter. You don't have to know how to speak them all. Absolutely not. You need to just have a good ear. 
And a good ear will help you with language. It'll help you with singing. You want a good foundation. Even if you can play a little bit of piano, this will help. This will help a lot. Um, you don't have to do that. Some people just have a voice that's just amazing and it's just always going to be amazing. Uh, and you can do that. But I've had to be uh, a worker. I've had to work hard. Um, I mean, my, my, you have to be really sure that you want to do it because you are going to get rejected no matter how good you are. Everybody gets rejected. It's part of the game. Mm -hmm. If you can accept that from the beginning, do that, but also experience, just sing where, wherever you can get an opportunity to do it, make a recital. You have to get to know your voice. You have to be able to rely on your voice because every day, you know, the weather can change and it affects your voice. You can have allergies, right? Like we can sneeze and whatever it affects our voice. So it's, it takes time to really get to know yourself. So I think, you know, any opportunity that you can get to use the voice, whether it's musical theater, opera, do it because you need to know your foundation of your own, of your own voice. Um, and the only way to really do that is by doing it. You know, you can sit and study all day long. You, you got to get out there and do it and, and make mistakes and not be afraid to make those mistakes. I've made so many mistakes. My mistakes are even on YouTube, right? Okay, so you're going to make, yeah, you're going to make mistakes. But that, that is where you start learning, right? By, by falling down and thinking, how did I get here? You get back up and you fix it. You move forward you fall back down, you know, nobody is successful without having failed. It's just, that's, that's just going to be the way it is. And if you can accept failure in a positive light and get up and, and go back to work that I think that's a very good start. And it, cause it will continue to be that way your whole career. It is constant editing. Women have babies, their voices change. You know, the voice is constantly needing to be edited. So knowing that the craft will change, knowing that your voice will change. If you're mad one day, it's going to affect the way that you sing. You know, you hold your emotions here. So yeah, I think that would be something that I would generally say. Yeah. Um, going a little more like specific, what would be three key takeaways you would give to students about to graduate from college? You mean three takeaways? Yeah, three key takeaways that you would give to students about to graduate from college, meaning like advice that you would give them, mm. um, things that they should focus on, or like moving forward, graduating from college, what, what would you recommend to them? I would recommend... to not let anybody stop you from being unique. I think even in just culture in general, there's a lot of what we call cookie cutter things, especially in singing there, we call them cookie cutter voices. They sound like the next voice and the next voice. Mm -hmm. Find what your strength is. Find what it is that makes you different from everybody else. Because that's going to be the thing that stands out among hundreds and hundreds of people that go to audition. There has to be something that you do that somebody else can't do, right? 
um, really get get onto that strength, make it better. Um, and, you know, it may not always be what you want it to be, right? Like, I wish I could sing bigger, bigger, big arias and big roles. And I can't, I, I am what I am. And I need to accept that and embrace that. Find what it is that I can do and do it the best that I possibly can. Because there's always going to be somebody behind you ready to take your job, ready someone who sings better is prettier than you is this whatever it's it's just that's that's the way it is so find what it is that makes you you and not be afraid of that even if somebody tells you you know there are going to be a lot of people that tell you you can't do it mm-hmm. it's just you know so but if there's that little voice listen to the little voice inside of you because that's usually the right voice um you have to make that decision don't let other people make that that decision for you um, and there will be a lot of people with a lot of opinions, especially in the music world. There are three different ways to pronounce the French word, whatever French word it is. You'll have one person from Quebec tell you it's, it's pronounced like this. The person from Paris will tell you it's pronounced like this. So you have to be able to make decisions for yourself. Make that decision for yourself and be confident in those decisions um because that's what's going to make you an artist in the end it's going to be what makes you different from everybody and I guess another thing I would say is um you know I saw a really good quote the other day that basically was like confidence is not walking into the room and thinking I'm better than everybody it's walking into the room and not comparing yourself to others that's what confidence is so don't worry about what the other person is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get, I mean, we all do it right on social media. We're like, oh, they have such a great life or whatever. We're constantly comparing and it's just, it's not, it's not true. So don't compare yourself to others because every single artist or even, I'm sure even another other, you know, business or whatever, everyone has their own path. Yours doesn't need to look like the person next to you, you know? Mm-hmm. So be confident in what, what you're doing and don't compare yourself because everybody is on a different timeline and you never know what you're going to learn tomorrow or in two years. So give yourself that grace, that kind of patience and just keep your head down and do your work. Don't, don't get worried about somebody else got a roll over me. Yeah. That's the way it is. Even if you're better than them, it's going to happen. It's okay. That's, that's kind of what I would comparing yourself is just gonna, it's just gonna kill your soul. It's horrible. (laughs) Thank you for Thank you for that advice. Um, so obviously I am a part of career services. Um, did you ever utilize career services while attending UCA? This could have been going to a career fair, having your resume reviewed, uh, participating in a mock interview, obviously like your work path, your career looks a little bit different Mm -hmm. than typical, like workforce. Like it's a different, Mm -hmm. so. I, I don't think I did. Not that I can, (laughs) not that I can remember. It was a long time ago. I don't think I ever used any of those services. Is it like a specific service? Yeah. Yeah. So we offer 
mock interviews where you can come in mm-hmm. and, you can, and practice through questions um, with one of our career coaches, or you could have your resume reviewed. I mean, I guess this could be a question like, do you have a resume? Like, do you utilize that? Or is it mainly like you have like this online, like website portfolio? Yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a website which has, has everything written down that I've done and maybe some things that I'm about to do and like recordings, things like that. Um, I've had resumes sometimes when, when I'm auditioning, so mm-hmm. they see past work and maybe where you graduated from things like that. Um, but it's so much different than, than, a, than a normal resume. So I never use that. I mean, I do remember at UCA, we did have, you know, you had at the end of the semester, what we call juries. Mm-hmm. Um, and you basically have to sing a few things that you prepared and then they grade you on that. And they also had, um, I forget what they call it. And I was like once a week where you would have like an open class and you would sit in the recital hall and people would come up and sing something for the class and then get critiques. So in a way that was, you know, that was kind of like a mock audition. You'd get up and sing for them and you would get feedback from the teachers or for some, some of the students. And, you know, of course, singing in front of your peers, I mean, at that age is scary as hell, you know? Mm-hmm. So it really provided uh, a place to challenge, to challenge yourself and, and get up in front of your peers and, and sing for them. That I do remember that we did. Yeah. Yeah. If you could do it all over again, would you choose the same path for yourself? And if not, what would you change? Oh, I think I would, I think I would do what I did. I think maybe, maybe I would have gotten like a minor, you know, maybe some also studied something else that, that I was also interested because as we see in a pandemic, it would have been maybe beneficial that there had maybe been something else that I was also uh, felt a purpose, right? Not just money, but just something that you like and you enjoy. Um, you know, I've thought about music therapy, things like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would have added something like that to to my collection of, of things. Um, but I think I would have probably done the same. But I think if I could go back, I would just, give that, that woman just a little bit more confidence to just go out and open my voice and sing. Because I think, you know, things in our personal life, in our daily life, maybe the way that you were, you were raised. Some people are shy. Some people are, you know, I was, I was much more introverted, very much more shy. So it took me a few years to really, really have the confidence to open my throat and really sing, you know, because at the end of the day, you're going to get out there and you're going to sing anyway. So why be scared? Because you're going to get out there and you're going to do it. You're not going to not step on the stage. So just go for it. You know, don't sit back there and think, well, I didn't sleep enough. And this person said this. And you got to find a way to clear that, clear that mind. Because I think I allowed certain people's voices into my head while I was singing. And that prevented me from, from really singing. So that's probably, I mean, if I could go back and just tell the younger version, you know, like, don't, don't, don't listen to that. Just get out there and and do what you know you, you can do. Have confidence because it's a mind game. A lot of this is a mind game, a competitive field of any kind. It's a lot about mindset. 
Mm-hmm. And if you don't have confidence in yourself, they, they know right away. They know right away. Yeah. So you talked a lot in a little bit of like, you know, the traveling and, and, and the COVID uh, impact um, with going forward in your career. Do you think that you're going to stay like as a, as an opera professional singer, or do you think that there's a possibility that, you know, at some point in your life, you might do something different? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think as I've gotten older, uh, I've become actually more curious in general, just about everything around me. I'm, I really love like Neil deGrasse Tyson, all those, those interesting guys, you know, what the world around me, space, all those things, which make me, I think, a, a better singer and a better artist, mm-hmm. um, because we—it's easy for us to get into a bubble um, and not not think about other things. But and right now, I'm still the voice inside of me is still. I test myself. I do this. I I, I do test myself. I'm like, is there anything else that I want to do or that I could do? And I just can't come up with it and whenever I start practicing it takes over and it's just it's just a big part of me so I will always be an opera singer even mm-hmm. if I don't always you know sing um I know some people who do it part-time because they have children and they want to be at home but they're still singers a singer is such a strong identity and mm-hmm. it will never go away it will never go away um at this point um, I'm almost 40, so I'm still sticking with it for now because it's, it's my way of life. Um, it's my lifestyle. I love it. I have thought about using, using it. I, and this is another thing I think as you get older, you start thinking, what can I contribute to the world just in general? What am I, what is purpose? What am I doing here? Um, and we do right contribute I think as singers when people are in the audience they need to they need it they need that time to be away from the other aspects of life um but I've also been interested in music therapy using my voice using my knowledge um in helping people especially patients with with dementia people with Parkinson's because a lot of the time when they get around music their mind comes a lot of the memories come back and they find an identity of themselves again. And I've always been interested in what music does for our brain and our, and our soul. And that's, I've read a lot of Oliver Sacks, people like that, um, music in the brain. That is also something that I've thought about doing on the side since, especially now since I have free time, <laughs> but just in general, using the abilities that I do have um, to help people. So that's always something that's that's on the side right now that I've been trying to give a little attention and see what that means. But I'll, I think I'll always be a singer. Yeah. Yeah. Where can students or other listeners go um, to reach out to you if they have questions or would like to connect with you? I, of course, I'm on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Um, I do have a website. It's um, it's harder to reach me through that, but it's, um, usually through Instagram. I'm pretty active. Okay. Facebook. Um, yeah. 
I mean, I have an email as well. Yeah. I don't know what's easier. Well, I'm always open to questions or whatever. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today and share about your, your career. Um, it's not the typical, like you go into the workforce and you, and you have the nine to five, um, (laughs) but, but it's, it's a career. It's a, it's an option for people. Um, and so I enjoyed listening to it and I know that other people are going to be interested in listening to it and, um, giving some inspiration for different performing artists out there. So um, thank you for taking time and coming on today. Of course. I'm so glad to talk to you. And I miss Conway, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> UCA. Yeah, it was, it was a very important part of my, my growth. I'm very thankful. So thank you for having me on today. Thank you for listening to Noteworthy Networks. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Central Arkansas's Department of Career Services. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Noteworthy Networks and Career Services at UCA Career on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We hope you'll listen in for the next guest and more career advice to come.